0: To Kenny Kilkenny-Kenty Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous.
1: It's actually Martin Bridgman for one night only, as they say, and you're very welcome to The Art Show. Hugo will be back with you next week, so they've left me in charge of the farm, the fools. And tonight, what will we be talking about? Well, it's been hard to get people to come in live, as it were. So what we've got is an interview that I did with Jack L. Jack L is a... Very, very well regarded, um, singer and performer. I think that's the word that's probably most appropriate for him. But he released an album first in many years at a time when, um, cocooning and all the rest of it was all the, all the rage and all the necessity. He's also been on tour. He's coming to Kilkenny in April. Uh, I managed to catch his gig at the end of November in the Three Arena and as i said always about somebody like Jack L he fills whatever venue he's been in I've seen him in the set a number of times coming to the Watergate as I say and uh, later on we'll be hearing from our artist in profile it's Helena Gorey who is a Kilkenny based artist she's out in the, the lovely uh, Burnchurch Danesford area of Kilkenny we'll hear what she has to say about her uh, her life her work her influences advice for aspiring artists and her wishes for the art scene in Kilkenny and we'll also try fingers crossed once again go back to the Boris Festival and a very interesting chat with the writer and uh, director of a very famous cult film with Nail and I. Bruce Robinson was in Bars conversation, and we will see, or hear rather, that truth actually is stranger than fiction. But first, as I say, caught up with Jack L late last year to talk principally about the making of the album, and uh, we got into a conversation about what was different, what was the same, same only different, that kind of thing, but the making of an album, and this is what he had to say.
2: Funny thing is you kind of go into a cocoon state and you're in lost in music for months. Um, I made the album with Duncan Maitland and the Skorgar uh, produced with two of them and, uh, it was done pretty much so, uh, virtually as well. You know, I, I have a studio, I would do something, they would do something and so on. Um, so when you're in that bubble of making an album, it's all about the one thing that is funny is you always forget. You, you, you put it out of your mind, the releasing part of it, which nowadays is an enormous thing because you've got, if you want to do it all, you got vinyl, you got CD, and then you got the online stuff, which you have to line up and talk to these faceless, uh, multinationals that, and try and get the timing right. And, uh, of course, you know, digital code and everything, all this, you know, this crap you didn't have to do, uh, years ago. Uh, so you're, you're into that world and then you're into the promoting the thing. And it's still fresh to you. So the most, the most joyous thing about releasing it really is just getting reactions from people because you've kind of been, you know, this album would have started before uh, lockdown. I would have written more songs during lockdown and then coming out of it. Uh, I pretty it was pretty much so made from last March. So it made pretty quickly in the end, uh, which is kind of good, you know, um, the more you do it, the more your decision making becomes better. You know, back in the day, you know, I would, could spend a year making an album just because of the technology that was available and just explore music, explore the space as it were. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny to be back, but, uh, it's always a funny business.
1: Mm. But uh, See, everybody's got their own way of, of doing it uh, I mean, again, another perception that people would have is that you you live for life performance because you, anytime I've seen you anytime anybody else has seen you you throw yourself into it I mean, you, you capture that moment you say, this is it there is no other moment like this Let's get on with it and let's make it happen and let's make it the best it can be. But I often wondered, and and I'm intrigued to, to 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 hear your 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 reply. That when you've got the time, when you can do that extra take, when you can say, I I wonder, could we? You know, did did you did did it wrap you up in a way? You've you described yourself as being in a cocoon. Did it feel any way different though? You know, apart from the obvious difference of it not being one shot, next song, next song, next song, gig finishes you know did you get a new sense of what recording was about
2: oh um well you know over the years you become better and better and the technology is that I, i've kind of just learned how to uh, use all this stuff i suppose via osmosis just being around it and then you learn it all and then you forget it, and then it all changes and you have to learn something new um did i have more time you know i, I suppose the whole recording process over the years and having made so many albums i've kind of uh I wouldn't know. I would. I would probably do three takes if I was doing that. There's songs in the album like "The Winterling," which is all just one take, where you will rehearse it and rehearse it, and then you kind. It's like a focus, uh, and you just go and you can do it. Other songs, you're still trying to search out. Um, you're still trying to find the balance of uh, the pathos of what's happening in the song and how. I suppose. Gentle or hard you sing, um, what kind of emotion, I suppose you're going for. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's not something you can overthink. It has to be kind of have a natural kind of feel to it. I, as you said, I do try to sing every song. Like it's my last song, but that doesn't go for all songs because you've got soft songs too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to have, uh, I, I, I suppose there was more prep on this album that would be normally be that was already to be recorded. Sometimes you're coming off the road and you have songs half written and you're going in trying to put them together and make them work when maybe they're not finished songs yet. But with this, they were all, I think it's very good quality. Every song has a face, if you like, you know, it's an individual. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> well, you see,
1: cause it, this is one of these things. It's like who, I don't know who was it, Frank Zappa dancing about architecture, talking about songs or whatever, but I just,
2: I it is Visible landscape, I suppose. It's like right. a visible landscape. Keep gardening in your head <laughs> so it's very so a lot i mean songs people you know people it's gas in this business because people think you're doing nothing but you're you're always writing a song in your head you're always the office is always open in your head you know and you're talking to people and something might come to you or just silly things uh and it's the same with making music you just kind of get lost in it and uh um, I suppose that's the joy of it, maybe. It's escapism for everybody else, too, and it's definitely escapism for you when you're making it. But it's like any craft that you've been doing for a long time. Like, you know, you like to think you get better and better at a better craftsman as you do it. And you'll know with any, you know, older guys who make jewellery or whatever, that you know, they find the easiest way of doing it, but the best way as well. So I suppose you find – I find you can do 20 takes of a, of a vocal – and then chop it up. But I prefer to get one take that I'm really happy with, and then if maybe there's a line you want to change. So I try to keep it very um, natural, I suppose.
1: And he didn't say the word organic, which is beloved of feature writers. Uh, But that was Jack L, part of a conversation I had with him, uh, which was leading up uh, to his uh, headline gig, as it would have been at the time, in the Three Arena, and talking about the making of his most recent album, Echo On we'll have a track or two through the program from Jack L's album Echo On it's quite a gorgeous collection of music but uh, we'll take a break when we come back we'll have the second part of the interview
0: The Art Show on KCLOR with Hugo Jellis with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland KCLR. KCLR. K-C-L-R.
1: And you're very welcome back. Merton Bridgman here tonight on The Arts Show. We've been chatting with Jack L. as part of a longer interview, which I did with him, and I'll uh, point you to the full interview a little later on. I mentioned the name of the album. It's called Echo On. The opening and title track of the latest album from Jack L. Echo On. And its most um, recent live outing was in the Three Arena. Uh, at the end of November. He filled it not only with musicians and guest artists such as Jerry Fish and Mary Coughlin. He also managed to get a 60-piece choir on stage as well and a wonderful, wonderful night, a fantastic group of musicians, um, including Duncan Maitland, who you mentioned, who he mentioned in that last piece. We're uh, going to play another excerpt from a longer-form interview, uh, which will be up online a little later on. But uh, just to say as well that one of the most um, emotional parts of that evening was... Was um, a tribute to uh, somebody he described as his musical brother in arms, uh, a very well known musician, Derek Cronin, who died suddenly, very, very unexpectedly. uh, last year during, uh, during the making of the album and uh, I think it's fair to say that the album was imbued with his spirit they worked very closely together and on the night they did the most wonderful thing he had been part of their uh, Facebook live events something which he maintained throughout lockdown and Derek Cronin was the musical director so on the night they performed one of ja- a number of Jack's songs with accompaniment uh, using the power of technology with Derek Cronin and it was quite emotional I have to say Jack is a man who wears his heart his sleeves emotionally and certainly as a performer and uh, in part, uh, part two of our chat with Jack we talk about things uh, rolling on from the making of the album and the power of technology and he's an interesting take on it but he's still very much grounded in his songwriting. And again, this is, this is, I suppose it's, it's perception versus the reality of doing things. But I often felt that with, with your songs and, and you've, you've, you've put it very succinctly. You're, you, you've got to understand what's behind the song as much as the craft or as you say, the delivery and hitting your pitch right. And, you know, if you're working with an orchestra, there's all sorts of technical things that you need to do in terms of performance. But you're coming at this i mean these these are songs this is not interpretations of other people's work where you yeah, approach it from different a different way they're all they're, they're all original and the the genesis of the songs then um did did they hang together i've I've often heard people describe like a single as like a postcard that so this is this mm. is a moment in time. the album was more like a letter and it starts and it finishes and it goes here and it goes there you know yeah was was there was there a sense of of the songs just seeming to come right together, or did you have a batch that you just had to figure out how they knit together
2: well you know sometimes i, I write songs in respect of I'll write an opening to a show kind of song, which I suppose we met the more up-tempo kind of ones or maybe or just something you know i i, I sometimes I write songs thinking that because I play so much live or I might write them during a sound check that are there's always a live context maybe to them, but um this bunch of songs that, you know, I had about, I don't know, I could have 30 or more songs and uh, you kind of whittle it down. I did have a, I did have a structure in my head, but in the end, I, the, the, the way sometimes things come out, I ended up putting them in a different order on the album, you know, because uh, it just, it just sonically made more sense to me. And I, t- I thought to a listener, it would make more sense. So you, it's good to have an, I, I, I tried to have, a you know an idea like even the title echo on was a good thing to head towards as as regards uh covering a lot of things uh but yeah you, you, you it's good to have an a, a, a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel that you're heading towards but you have to be suppose when things are flowing and you're trying to go with the music you try you may have just you have to know when oh yeah that's probably that's nice i like this better over here you can't let it kill the thing either, you know.
1: But again, it's part of a, it's it's a creative process. It's, you know, there, there are obvious structures to certain arts like theatre, you know, if if there's a story, if you go to a murder mystery, you know, some, you're going to get clues, you're going to have to put them somewhere. But that's what that is. That's the format. You need well, something to happen a, and figure out and what goes on. End,
2: like I said, kind of, you know, beginning, middle and end. I mean, the album starts with Echo One, which is kind of a, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a slow song, but it's quite, it's quite, I suppose, experimental sounding. But, um, and then it ends with, if the dead could speak to the living. So it's kind of, uh, I suppose there's, uh, questions of life and death and meaning and the nature of consciousness. And, uh, you know, it comes from the, uh, um, every, everything you do will echo on through eternity. Um, in science, they tell you if you ring a bell, the vibrations go on forever. And in a spiritual sense, it's the same kind of every action, you know, cause and reaction. So that was kind of the idea of it. Um, but you know, every song is an individual then on a two. They're all uh, little movies in themselves, but, um, that kind of was, so I opened with, with that one just to, I suppose as an intro, um, and a theme. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, the bottom line in all of this is, is you you must be happy as as the person making the piece of art, like the you know. So if it makes sense to you, and that's the way you think it should hang together. Well, that's fine because, as you well know, the minute somebody else hears it, who isn't involved in it, they have their own opinion, their own take on it, and their own. What do you mean by that, or what you meant, and what they hear? Oh yeah, very very different things.
2: Once you let songs go, they're gone, and they take up their own lives. You know. Uh, you don't even know what are the good songs really. You just know the ones that were kind of sticking in your head, I suppose. But it's always interesting. Yeah. Getting feedback from people and, uh, and you know, people can have a completely different meaning to a song, which is fine by me. If it's doing something for them in that way, that's great. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so every song, there's so much in every song. That's, it's very hard to talk about it as a broad piece because every song in itself is an album. So, yeah. Well, of
1: course. It. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, the shortest song or the longest song, that doesn't matter. If a song catches you, it's a moment. It could be a breath that somebody takes or a, just a <clears> line, <throat> line that just hits you square, a square in the heart or whatever. When, when it came to, to the making of the album, then you described, I mean, a perfectly the obvious, um, and it's a conversation I think we may have had. I know I've had it with a lot of musicians. The, the, the way of releasing an album is all different now because people are largely independent or if you do have a deal for a distribution or whatever, there's a significant amount of work around getting an album out, which changes, I suppose. But you, you know, perversely, as somebody said to me, I had a bit more time to worry about that because I didn't have much time. I had loads of time for it, but for the making of the album you know at the early stages you couldn't all be in the same room at the same time all sitting together all listening back all that sort of thing how did you find that experience like in terms of differences between say previous albums
2: uh well i suppose i got used to that experience it's become normal over the years you know that you can do that you might be working with some a producer in america or something and they'll be working on it and sending it back and uh, so it wasn't that that different and um It doesn't really take from the thing. I mean, it's all, all the stuff in this is all kind of live instruments and all, and some of this, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't have click tracks or things like that. So it's all, it's all still pretty, you know, you're always trying to, uh, you know, capture a live moment, you know, um, something like Hound Dog would be a great example of that, where it's just this bunch of people in a room kind of playing. You can still create that even though you're not in the same room because you're in a virtual room, kind of, you know. So it, it's kind of odd nowadays because you're dealing in virtual worlds a lot. Um Once again, invisible landscapes when you're doing things. Uh And then with the, the metaverse coming, it's a whole, you know, it will be all gigging there. Um So it's all, it's all getting very confusing.
1: That was Jack L. And now, as I said, it came from an interview you did, which wasn't really your typical question and answer interview. It was more of a long conversation. He is as witty and as talented as ever. And you got a sense of his, his, his own sense of how to mix craft and art. And you will not be disappointed if you go to see him live. He's playing on the 8th of April in the Watergate Theatre. Tickets available from watergate.ie and all the details about Jack are at jacklukman.com. Now he mentioned Town Dogs which is funny because I said I'd play another track from the album Echo On. This one is called Sun Dogs in the Moonshine. Beautiful track called Sun Dogs in the Moonshine from Jack L from his latest album Echo On and thanks to Jack for the time. I know he was in with John Keane in the lead up to the uh, Three Arena gig which was Brilliant. That's not quite the way I phrased it, but couldn't say what I actually thought on the night on radio. However, he is one of the consummate performers. Uh, you will not be disappointed. As I say, the 8th of April, it's a Saturday and it's in the Watergate Theatre. Now, uh, from national and international stars, of course, he spent uh, the summer touring with Sting and Jules Holland to um, Local Heroes. And on... um Today, actually, the 4th of January, we are uh, starting our our search for a new local hero. And we're looking for the best of music from Kilkenny and Carlow to take to the airwaves and compete at national level for big cash and equipment prizes. So it's Irish Music Month. It's an initiative run in partnership with Hot Press and involves 25 independent Irish radio stations, including us here at KCLR. And uh, through Hot Press and the independent broadcasters of Ireland have received funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sound and Vision Fund, to promote and celebrate Irish music, something that we've always been striving to support here in KCLR. So, if you or your band would like to be involved, you can do a few things. You can listen out, listen out on air on KCLR for the details of how to enter. You can check out our socials across the month of January, uh, or you can drop an email introducing yourself and your music to Irish Music Month. All one word at KCLR ninety six FM dot com or you can fill out a short form which you'll find on our website. It's KCLR96FM.com Irish hyphen music, hyphen month. You'll see a banner when you visit our website. Anyway, the entries are open to acts of all genres of music across Kilkenny and Carlow. This is our local heat. I'm at close for submissions on the 31st of the month. We'll be announcing our four chosen finalists for Kilkenny and Carlow in February before we start meeting and greeting the acts live on air and choosing our representative to go forward to the national finals in March. Now, just to stress, this is for writers and performers of original Music. It has to be your own music, band or uh, solo act, not covers. So original music only. And over the course of the Irish Music Month, which will be coming in in March, you'll be guaranteed guaranteed to hear even more great Irish music in KCLR. So get the details submitted today and we'll be calling you back as we begin 2023's search for a new local hero. Okay, it is The Art Show. It's Martin Bridgman. And coming up after, we have uh, an interesting um, conversation. Well, actually, it's more of a series of questions that we've been giving to local artists around Carnum and Kilkenny. And our guest this week, coming up after the break, is Helena Gorey.
0: You're listening to Casey <laughs> Allure. My name is Helena, Helena Gorey, Uh, I'm a visual artist and work primarily as a painter, although I've incorporated photographs and video works in various painting installations that I've made over the years. I'm very interested in how paintings relate to one another and their relationship to the built environment or gallery space. My work is process led and that process is very intuitive and I see colour as a medium in and of itself. In a recent essay by artist John Graham, commissioned by Highlands Gallery for a small publication to mark my exhibition understory that took place earlier in the year, he writes, a writer may indulge in comparisons and anecdotes, but the painter is a materialist. The painter deals with the stuff at hand. And in that way, I see color and form as material. I was born and grew up in Burnchurch in County Kilkenny and returned to live here at the height of the Celtic Tiger as it was becoming increasingly difficult to live as an artist in Dublin, where I had moved with Kilkenny-based Theatre Unlimited in the 1980s. I live in a small cottage facing a field called the Blackcurrant Field, although it has been many years since fruit was grown there. The horizon in the field has a scattering of mature trees and bisects land and sky. This horizon line has been a recurring theme in much of my recent work, I'm very lucky to have a studio in my brother's farmyard, a short walk from home, and the farmers make up my occasional visitors. A key point in my career was probably my first solo exhibition in Dublin called Blues, which took place in Temple Bar Gallery and Studio in 1991. I was able to make a small publication to document it that included an essay by then Irish Times art critic Brian Fallon. But equally significant was my return to Kilkenny as a more mature artist in the 2000s, And since then, this small townland where I live and its surrounding nature has been a major focus of my work. I think Kilkenny is a good place to be an artist and improving in diversity and vibrancy all the time, as more artists are attracted to the area. And I think it is relatively easy to make connections with like minded people in various art forms. Dublin Cork and Waterford are an easy bus journey away. And we are also fortunate to be the home of many great festivals where the world comes to our doorsteps. I've been reading a lot about trees, and by way of introduction to my current work, I would like to quote from The Triumph of the Tree, 1951, by John Stuart Collis. He writes, We were nursed into life by trees. It is to trees that we owe the development of a physiology which made man possible. That is to say, made conceptual thought possible. I think if we truly understood and took this simple statement on board our respect for the natural world would increase a thousand fold. In the understory paintings, which are currently on display in the long, narrow, path-like space at the Customs House Gallery in Westport, I have been looking at the humble plants of our hedgerows, which are such an important habitat and food source for pollinators, wild animals and songbirds. The richly coloured and textured paintings range in scale from small to medium and are arranged in a bank from floor to ceiling along the gallery wall and attempt to give some sense of the beauty in the jewel-like plants that can be seen if you look closely into an uncut hedgerow at the height of summer and are titled to hint at the diversity that lies there. Ladies' Bedstraw, Slowberry, Woodbine, Forget-Me-Not. Having time and space is such an important aspect of being able to be a creative person. Artists have the same pressure of making a living, raising a family, as everyone else. It is not always easy, but in order to be creative, an artist needs to be able to find that time and space. And it has been a priority in most of the decisions that I have made in my life. I can spend a lot or a little time working in the studio, depending on various other commitments but there are moments when everything works out as you had hoped or something completely unexpected happens and you're able to respond and follow where it leads. These are the rewarding moments. I've made various exhibitions in non-gallery settings like my studio, the ruins of Burnchurch Church, even our wild cottage garden during the pandemic and putting individual elements or paintings together to form a whole in the form of an exhibition that goes on to develop a life of its own and is received by others, is also very rewarding. It is difficult to give advice because everyone must follow their own path, but I think the point about finding and giving yourself time and space, however small, is an important one. The question of influence is always a difficult one, as we are influenced by so many things. But at a push, I will say, at the risk of sounding clichéd, that nature has been the biggest influence on my work. If I had one wish for the arts in Ireland, it would be to extend the basic income for art to scheme developed by the current Arts Minister, Catherine Martin, to all artists following the current pilot phase of the programme. This will help to provide that much needed time and space, which is so important. To find out out more about my work, you can go to my website, helenagory.com, which is in dire need of updating my next project. And I make regular posts on Instagram at Helena underscore Gory. Also focused to a Gandon's Editions publication and hopefully a small publication to document understory at the Highlands Gallery due to be published in 2023.
1: And many thanks to Helena. That was, um, a, we, we we recorded that on Zoom. I was able to look over her shoulder at where she lives and she's absolutely right. She lives in a beautiful part of uh, Kilkenny and uh, has, well, for a painter, I'm sure, has uh, a, a more inspiration than she can shake the proverbial stick at. But uh, thanks to Helena, all that, uh, and, and the show, of course, will be up on the website. I was asked about the Jack L interview. It will be going up on the Keolunuk page, but we put a link to it from the Arts Show page. Coming up after the break we'll have um, an excerpt from the Boris Festival featuring Bruce Robinson who is the writer and director of one of the great cult films of uh, English film 1987 With Nail and I. Taking this up we'll have a little excerpt from the beautiful theme music written by David Dundas. <laughs> It's part of the original music from that film. But of course, one of the features of that film, it's set in the late 1960s, is the amount of great uh, popular music, especially Jimi Hendrix and some uh, what you might call just classic scenes. It's a film that you can only describe as squalor, but it is a black comedy of the very darkest kind. And you'll hear when we come back from Bruce Robinson that a lot of it was not fiction.
0: To kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. You're listening to KCLR.
3: How Withnor started. It's really, this is absolutely true, by the way. Um, I, I was, I, so I was in Camden Town, so broke. You used to get uh, eight quid a week national assistance. Uh, and i was there and it was the winter and right outside the hu- all of the furniture in the house vivian and i used to carry stuff down to the uh, to, 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 you know to the junk shops and stuff and uh, and and sell things and there was nothing in the house i had a mattress upstairs with a big leather overcoat that i used to sleep under and i had one light bulb that used to go around the house with me so <laughs> When I went to bed, it was in in that room, and then I'd take it out in the morning, go down, put it in the kitchen, and uh, and sit there in front of uh, a gas oven uh, to keep warm. And that's and anyway, it was winter, and I had this little portable um, Olivetti typewriter. And I was there, and it was miserable, and I had no money, no food. Uh, you know, it was literally in those days, it was 10 gold leaf or it was, you know, cotton chips type of stuff. So I'd have the gold leaf sit sucking that. And, and I, and it was night and the, this orange street lamp outside our front window, tangerine colored light streaming in across the floorboard and a chair. And I sort of slipped off the chair because why, why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> looking at this orange light, and and, and and then I started to pray, and then I said, like, Jesus Christ, please, can I have a job? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the head, forehead, greeted the floorboards, <laughs> imminent tears, and it was so ridiculous the situation like that i had hysterical fucking laughter and, uh, <laughs> i was just uh, truly this is absolutely true i was rolling on the floor <laughs> <in a ridiculous, laughs> just laughing and laughing because it was so stupid i was 23 years old and over you know and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i thought i was gonna have to go back to Broadstairs, and, you know with my my parents or what uh, and uh so anyway, it's, you know, I had this little Olivetti and I shoved a piece of paper in and uh, the, and, and typed with Nell and I. We were so bloody broke, you know, that we would go around all the litter bins. Get, you used to get fourpence on a bottle of Guinness in those days. And so Viv, Viv and I would go around with shopping bags looking in the trash bins and stuff to find Guinness bottles and uh, take them down the off-license and get the cheapest piece of red slash... That could be purchased, you know, like 11 and 6 or for a bottle of filth. And in those days in England, you could only, there were only two wines. There was a thing called Piat de Beaujolais, which is repugnant wine. And a worse one than that is called Irondelle. <laughs> which, and this was what we had to drink. Uh, and then we go back, and here was the great thing about my flatmate Vivian. Viv was a Public school boy, very well educated person. <laughs> and in a way, he kind of educated me because he, he knew stuff. He'd read all sorts of stuff that I'd never even heard of. Uh, not least of which the first screenplay I, I ever wrote was about, uh, Baudelaire, the poet Charles Baudelaire. Uh, and the reason I wrote a, a screenplay about Baudelaire was because of Vivian, because frequently, he would be in the kitchen and, and he had something he called the Baudelaire Principle. And what the Baudelaire Principle was, was a very strong, uh, instant coffee with honey in it, uh, melted in it and a nut of hashish melted in it. You stir it. And so he, he would sort of say to me, uh, I'll tell you what, let's have a Baudelaire Principle. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure, Viv. Um, so, and I'm drinking my Principle. And I, and I said to him, but what's Baudelaire, uh, Vivian? He said, you don't know who Baudelaire is? No, I, I, I'd never heard of him. So he tells me he's this great French poet. So I went down to Camden Library, got a book of Baudelaire. I could not believe this man's genius. I couldn't believe it. How like Widnell was Vivian? Very like him. Uh, and uh, what happened to Vivian? Vivian, the poor bastard, died of, of throat cancer. Um, the last time I saw him, he had a little, um, it ripped his voice out. He had a little card uh, that he would show in the pubs, and it would say, I'd like a large malt whiskey, please, <laughs> <laughs> on the card. And then, it, it was so tragic, though, because and then they'd, they'd give him a, a malt whiskey, and he'd sort of turn away, open his raincoat, and he had a funnel, and he'd pour the whiskey in the funnel, and it would go into his, it was so tragic, really. We were so pissed off with everything that we thought we'd go. Had this old Jaguar, the same as the one in the film, that belonged to my newly acquired girlfriend, Leslie Ann Down. Uh you remember? Remember Leslie? Of course, Ann? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she bought this Jaguar, and she couldn't drive, so I, I immediately got hold of it, and we went off in into the uh, Lake District with it, um, and it was gruesome. It was truly a gruesome experience, and. But it's like, it's like if in in uh, Thomas Penman, Rob, the father, it's quite funny. I think, don't you? I mean, right. and so what you do is you look at you. You are in an environment, and then you, you. Everything is funny, really, isn't it? I mean, you can see humour everywhere. And so when I got back from um this awful thing you know we were walking around with with uh, shopping bags on our feet because we had no wellingtons we were sleeping in the same bed in this room burning the furniture it was freezing bloody cold and we had uh, we had some booze and we lived off um, black puddings. You, you know what black puddings are? They're shocking things. <laughs> and they're sort of made of blood, apparently. Anyway, Very, big <laughs> Very big in Ireland. What? Very big in Ireland. May here. <laughs>
1: And just before he put his foot in it, he recovered very, very nicely. That was Bruce Robinson in conversation with the actor Dominic West at the Boris Festival a number of years back. And thanks to Hugo Jellett for providing that uh, beautiful, evocative piece, which is a nice way of saying, if you watch the film, you know you've heard the full story from him. Thank you for listening. Hugo will be back next week. Um. Thank you to Jack L for his time and thank you to our artist in profile, Helena Gori. I leave you with a piece called Marwood's Theme and in the film with Nail and I, the eye is never disclosed. It's in the screenplay. His name was Marwood and this is his theme until we meet again. Take care.
0: KCL or with Hugo Jealous. with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.